And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Echelkamp, joined today by Jean Payne, president of ISCA, the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association. Jean, thank you so much for hopping on our podcast. Well, we all love your podcast, Margie. Thanks for having me as a guest. Well, I, you were most recently, actually fairly recently, with us on the podcast in July 2020, but some very timely developments of why we wanted to have you back on. So thank you so much for accepting the invitation. And that is you have um, let it be known that you are going to be retiring here at the end of March. So congratulations. Well, thank you, Margie. I know it probably comes of a little bit of a surprise, but for those people that knew me well, including our board of directors, have known that my husband, Ray, who worked for 44 years for Illinois Farm Bureau, retired over a year and a half ago. And so, you know, personally, we always had a goal um, that I would join him, and I had things I still wanted to get done for IFCA and for the industry, but I feel like I'm at that place. And so, you know, life is short, and when you plan for your retirement, you know, you want to start as soon as possible. And so the board of here was great to um, accommodate me, and we've been working hard behind the scenes to have a solid transition plan in place. I feel very optimistic about the future for IFCA. It's in great shape with great staff and great facilities. And so all, all in all, I just feel so good about this, and I just want to thank all the IFCA members who've sent me such nice notes, heartwarming notes, thank you notes from so many people. It just really makes you feel good that you were able to help so many people out throughout your career. Now, congratulations, Jean. So for the past 17 years, you have served as president of the organization. You've actually been with IFCA for 23 years. If we could step back into that 1998 time frame when, as you say, Lloyd Burling and Steve Foster pestered you to join the organization, but but how did you come to join IFCA? Well, most people don't know this about me, but I did not grow up on a farm. I did not get a degree in agriculture. And really, after college, like most college kids, I was farming out resumes and just looking for a job and wanted to start making some money. One of my first jobs was working for Growmark here in Bloomington in their human resources department. And I was I had wonderful opportunities there, too, and had moved over into the regulatory side of the business and was doing a little lobbying for them. And as a, as such, I was a, a member of the IFCA Legislative and Regulatory Committee representing Gromark, who was a member of the IFCA, and got to know the IFCA members and Lloyd and Steve from that matter. And so as they were looking down the road for transition, knowing that Lloyd was going to be retiring in, in five to seven years, they just kind of sought me out and kind of kept asking me if I would interview, and I kept saying, no, 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 I'm happy. And But, you know, sometimes when you're young, you start thinking about the future, and I knew it was it was a challenge, and it was a good organization, so I just made the plunge, Margie, and that was in 1998. And so, yeah, 23 years ago, which seems like yesterday. But, um, but they had trust in me, and, and you have to remember, back at the time, I was a young 30-something somebody, and, you know, Lloyd had been the only president of ISCA for over 30 years, so they had a lot of, um, you know, trust in my abilities, and I've had nothing but support from the IFCA members from the minute I started working for them, which is just, I'm very fortunate and um, so grateful for that. Yeah, and as you got so in-depth 
with the fertilizer dealers, the ag retailers across Illinois and got to know them. What were your first impressions of the industry and, and which of those continued to illustrate themselves to be true over the last 23 years? So the number one reason I took this job was because I always felt that the ag retailers out there wanted to do things right. And and very integrity was very important to them as an industry. And they also understood that without the public trust of how we use pesticides and fertilizers, that we would be walking on thin ice all the time. And so I knew that they always wanted to do the right thing. And they just needed someone at the leadership level of their statewide association to continue to tell them what was on the horizon, here's what we think you need to do, here's how we can get this done, here's how we can stay ahead of things, so that egg retailers can go about their daily job of doing what they do best, which is serving the farmers and positioning crop protection and fertilizer and seed at the right time, at the right place. And I've always come to work every day wanting to make their jobs easier, but also being honest with them about what are the headwinds out there and how do we get ahead of it because we have so many talented people in the crop production input industry. And when challenged with what is coming and, and how you can position and have it be good for your business and have public reaction be positive about your industry, that was what motivated me and has been true for every day I've worked here. And it, it hasn't always been easy and some of these issues are really challenging, Margie. But the retailers in their heart of hearts always want to do the right thing and and they they stand behind their business and their name and they they want to they want the credibility and they deserve the credibility and so that was the thing that has held true for this organization for the entire time I've been here and I'm sure we'll continue into the future and I know you're you're so proud of what ISCA has been able to achieve during your tenure you called out for for major accomplishments in the recent newsletter. And I just, if we could just talk about those a little bit, and the first one would be the hours of service exemption. And, and what, what makes you so proud to have been able to advocate on behalf of ag retailers? Well, for anybody who's driven an over-the-road truck, they know what driving restriction time is. You know, when you punch the clock and you can only be behind the wheel a certain amount of time. We know in our industry, when you're sitting in an ammonia terminal waiting to be loaded and three hours goes by, because in the spring and the fall, that's when it all happens over a six- to eight-week period. So having drive restrictions on driving time did not work for our industry, but we had to make a very strong case at the federal level and then at the state level to get these exemptions in place for uh, fertilizer, chemicals, and seed so that during the spring and the fall, the guys that are out there and the gals that are out there driving these trucks, whether it's a semi or an ammonia tanker or a uh, pickup truck to the farm with seed in the back of it, that we could do the job even if it involved a 12 or 14 or 16-hour day. But we also had to make a case that we could do it safely, Margie, and that's where I come back to uh, the credibility and the integrity of our industry. We know we have to work long hours, but we could make an exception because we've had a tremendous safety record. And think about all those ammonia tankers going down the highway in a state like Illinois where we have you know, almost 800,000 tons of ammonia we use in a year. Our, our track record on safety, it, I'm so proud of it. And even though these guys can drive beyond normal working hours because of the hours of service exemption that we fought to get, we are able to get these products to the farm when they need to be on the farm. And I realize most people have no clue that that goes on on a daily basis, but to me it was something um, 
I was passionate about getting that exemption in place for our members and working with Illinois DOT and the state police on it. And we made it happen, and, and people don't think about it anymore. They maybe take it for granted, but I would just challenge people to remember we have to stay safe on the highways or we could lose it. As all, the, all those years it took to get this in place could be lost if we have a tragic accident too, so safety first. But um, just know that some of the flexibility we have was because IFCA was such an advocate for reasonable regulation. Yeah, speaking of that reasonable regula regulation, also talking about transport, I know you're also very proud of, of being able to eliminate the need here for license plates on the fertilizer wagons and floaters that ag retailers use. You know, that was in place before I came into this job, and I started asking around after a while. Interestingly enough, I was in a meeting with some Illinois State Police officers, and I asked them, I said, well, why do we have to have license plates on our nurse tanks? I was sort of in the impression that maybe they thought it was important. And they looked at me, and they said, I don't know, you tell us. And you have one of these sort of aha moments that we thought, well, maybe there's really no good reason for this. It was just done back in the 70s. Maybe at the time it sounded like the right thing to do, and so we did it, but you know, if, if you're if you're a large egg retailer and you've got 250 ammonia nurse wagons out there, and the stickers show up, and you've got to match up the sticker to the license plate, and the license plates get ripped off in the cornfields, and what a nightmare! And so we just sat down with the Secretary of State and the State Police and said, "Do we really need to do this?" And I would remind everybody that you know those license fees went into the coffers of the state of Illinois, and so they were willing to work with IFCA to even eliminate. Um, uh, a program that was providing revenue to the state of Illinois. So I think that was, was a huge accomplishment for us. And anytime we can make the administrative duties of the retail offices, not just the guys that are applying fertilizer and chemicals, but the administrative staff in the office that has to fill out those registration forms and get all those stickers back and write these checks to the Secretary of State, we were able to get rid of that regulatory burden for them. And the state police worked with us. The Secretary of State worked with us. It was, again, that combination of having those relationships that made this all possible. Yeah. I know you also, the organization has done a lot of work um, in the effort of, of public health and safety around ammonia theft and how that was being illegally used in the production of methamphetamine. Yeah, some of the younger people listening might go, what? What was that? But it was the first thing I worked on when IFCA hired me in the late 90s. We had retailers getting ammonia stolen from them on a nightly basis. And it was pretty scary, some of the damage that was being done to the hoses and the tanks and having people trespass on the property of the ag retailers to steal ammonia, which is a product we are so careful with. And then to see it be so abused, and on top of it in the drug trade, which was really um, a black eye on our industry. And so, you know, we tried some of the common sense things like making the penalties higher, but honestly, when it comes to the drug trade, it's hard to deter, to deter people just with penalties. Um, so really it was our relationship with Lisa Madigan, who was the state uh, attorney general at the time, to say, what is the core production aspect of methamphetamine? Well, unless you could buy the, all the Sudafed cap tablets at, at you know, the drug stores, you couldn't make it meth, no matter how much ammonia you had. So when that, when we worked with her to put pseudoephedrine behind the counter, and, you know, I, you have to show a driver's license now to buy that stuff at the pharmacy counter, but the second we did that, the ammonia theft stopped. And we had to stop it because it was getting to the point where people were saying, well, maybe we should quit selling anhydrous ammonia and then the, then the drug problem will stop. Well, we knew that was not going to be 
the result. And how terrible for agriculture to lose a vital fertilizer because of something illicit going on in the drug world. So that was sure an interesting issue, but again, it was um, us going to the table with, with partners in our industry, like the Attorney General, who helped us with that, and, and we stopped the ammonia theft because, boy, that, that was kind of a scary time back in the late 90s when that was going on. Yeah. Let's, let's switch a little bit and talk about some of the proactive efforts that you guys have really helped spearhead, and let's talk about Keep It For Our Crops. And, and the other focus on nutrient management that you guys have really deployed? Well, in the in the early 2000s, so I'm going to say like 2010, you know, everybody was talking about let's have a big tax on fertilizer because then farmers will lose use less fertilizer because it will be so expensive and then we won't have any water quality issues with nitrates or, or phosphates in our water anymore. And that, that was the going consensus among many people outside of agriculture as a way to solve nutrients and water. And we knew, of course, that that was not going to be um, the solution and certainly not good for agriculture. So in a way, Margie, the biggest thing that we accomplished with our 4R program was not just implementing, you know, good science about right source, right rate, right time, right place, but actually it was going to the people that were the most critical of our industry, which was some of the environmental groups, and sitting down with them and explaining how and why we use nutrients and that it's a dynamic system out in nature. It isn't just what you put in is what comes out. And so when we invited them to be part of the Nutrient Research and Education Council that IFCA led the charge to create that council and fund it with a tonnage fee on fertilizer, they agreed to participate with us. And ever since we've all sat around the same table almost 10 years now, I would challenge anybody to look at Illinois and wonder why we don't have any onerous regulation or litigation on fertilizer use. It's because we developed the partnership. Um, it's easy to live in your own bubble and just think people should listen to us because we're agriculture. But until people really understand what we do on a daily basis, um, you can never really get through and solve some of these really difficult issues, especially when it involves a perception of your industry that may or may not be true. Now, having said that, there is a lot of work to do, and I don't want anybody to think that these pressures still aren't out there because they are. But at least we have the research base in Illinois established and the relationships with the environmental groups and with the point source sanitary districts. And we all understand what our role is in, in managing nutrients, and everybody's been working together. And so I, I challenge people who come after me to keep dedicated to that cause. It's not always comfortable, Margie. It's, sometimes it's difficult having these conversations. but. Just be honest and be transparent because I have found that when you give people the benefit of the doubt and you're honest about what you're doing and trying to do, they will give you the benefit of the doubt too. And that's how you overcome some of these societal issues that kind of end up with agriculture being in the crosshairs. Yeah. You talk about walking the walk every day, right? And I know you've got a big focus overall on all the aspects around training and safety in the products that ag retailers use, what would you like to highlight as far as accomplishments over this last 23 years? Oh, gosh, Margie, gosh. I, I guess I would say that, you know, Illinois is a difficult state. In case anyone hasn't noticed, uh, our legislative system can be quite challenging. We are in a terrible financial shape. And so to keep your head above water there and not have anything woefully detrimental happen uh, to the ag industry because of sort of the um, some of the other dynamics going on in our in our state government 
has really been a challenge, and that is we have had to be extremely proactive. We can't always go in and just thump our chest and say, we are agriculture, listen to us. We have a whole diverse group of people that we have to work with in Illinois. And like I said, I'm most proud of the fact that I think we have a reputation for being proactive, for always coming with a solution, not a complaint, finding ways that will work by bridging the gaps and then following through on what we promise to do. That's what I'm most proud of. And I'm most proud that the IFCA Board of Directors always allowed us here at the staff to have these visionary ideas and to implement them and to do so in a, in a way that was healthy for our membership, including the ag retailers. That's what I'm most proud of. It's a lot of work behind the scenes, and some of it isn't very exciting at times, but if you just keep your nose to the grindstone and you're always honest and optimistic and and willing to listen, that's the key. And, and there's no secret, Margie, as you know. There's no secret to any of that. Um, but you have to step outside your comfort zone and, see, and meet people halfway. I, I, I know you, you always kind of operate at that intersection of, of the suppliers and regulatory you know, the community stakeholders and your ag retailer members, right? And how all those things intersect. And I think perhaps the the dicamba developments over the past just few last years, and that's when we most recently had you on the podcast was to talk about dicamba illustrated right. that. What what did you learn most from from all of the the activity around the new dicamba formulations and what they brought to the industry? Well, if I if I leave anything that still causes me a little bit of concern, it would be that issue because I still don't think we have found the right recipe uh, for coexistence. I think it's much better and certainly will be with the ExtendFlex technology and the Enlist technologies out there this year. But I just I really challenge everybody to keep in mind that there is a lot of scrutiny on pesticide use right now. And we have a lot of diversity in Illinois with crops. Even though I know we're a huge corn and soybean state, there is still a lot of diversity out there. And so anything we can do to remember that today, spraying pesticides is not a right. It really is a privilege like driving. And therefore, you have to be aware of everything that's going on around you. And I know how hard it is when the retailers are pressured to get those acres covered and the farmers need those weeds treated. But in the big picture, keeping those products on target and as difficult as it is with some of these formulations is going to win the day. And I am so optimistic here in the summer of 2021 that we will finally have a year that we can really be proud of and then bringing the number of complaints down and helping our Department of Ag inspectors who are exhausted by having to go out and conduct all these investigations. It really has to be a partnership of everybody doing their utmost best because if we cannot succeed in this, then I, I think there's some troubling times ahead on pesticide use. Stewardship has always won the day for us, whether it's fertilizer or transportation or safety. You know, being good stewards is is truly the key. And so if your ag retailer tells you today is not a good day to spray, you really need to listen to that ag retailer because they know what's at stake, and I know the farmers do too, but when your retailer gives you advice on the proper use of something or the best day to spray or the day that you shouldn't be spraying, I would just really encourage people to listen and to take it to heart because there is a much bigger picture out there 
uh, with the future of crop protection technologies. We have to prove to the public and to ourselves that we can succeed with this, Margie. Um, that challenge is going yeah. to be ongoing, definitely. Well, Jean, thank you for, for letting uh, our podcast interview be a small part of your farewell tour um, as you close in on your retirement. Anything else you'd like to share with the industry? Well, I I just would always challenge. Here's here's the challenge, Margie. As as companies get bigger, when I started with IFCA, we had a lot of small family-owned independent ag retailers, and they were the people sure. that created the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association. Every month that goes by, we lose some, and I understand why. There's a lot of risk to owning a business, and if you're getting to your retirement age and and you can sell to a larger company, I mean, it, it's good for everybody, but the foundation. Um, of the business itself changes when everything becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And we still have great ag retailers even at very large companies. But I think we all have to remember that we still have to work together. No matter how big you are or small you are, our association is about finding the common ground that's the best thing for the use of these products and how we serve farmers in the future. So when I... Maybe 10 years from now, you'll be able to count the number of ag retail companies in Illinois on two hands. I don't know. That could very well be. But I would I would ask people to always still work together, even though you are competitors, and support your association because we're the ones talking every day with the state police and the Department of Ag and the DOT and the OSHA people and the legislators for sure. Someone's got to carry the voice for the industry, not for a particular company. And that's the big um, the big ask I would have as I walk out the door is support your association, not just IFCA, but in other states too, because we really do go to work every day on behalf of everyone that works in the industry. Oh, well said, Jean. Well, on behalf of all of us at The Scoop, all of the bigger team at Farm Journal, we just wish you the very best in your retirement and congratulations on this milestone. Well, Margie, thank you so much, and I want to thank everybody out there who has supported me. I have had a blast and a lot of fun, and I feel tremendous about walking out at this time to spend some more time with my family. But just know that, you know, the future is is what you want to make of it. I certainly made a great one for me in this career, and it, it's the capability is out there for this industry to continue to shine. Excellent, Jean. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, to all of our listeners to oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sad I'm not going to be seeing you at Maggie anymore. Well, I will be there. Meetings. i tell you what. I know. But if we have Maggie, I promise the board I would come back. And this time I'll get to okay. go around well, and try all the pork chops. that's something we can all look forward to. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> I sure hope so. Thanks, Margie. Thank you, Jean. And to all of our listeners, thank you. Uh, if anybody has any ideas for interviews for our podcast, please reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us at Farmers Advisor. I'm The Scoop editor, Margie Echelkamp, signing off for now. Thank you all. <laughs>